Hello there. I'm Colleen. And I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories, so of course we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet just can't get enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. And today we are so excited to be back. After a pretty long hiatus here, we are back with our initial reactions and theories for season three of The Bad Batch. We got our three episode premiere this week. The episodes were written by Jennifer Corbett and Matt Mishenovitz. Uh, This is your official spoiler warning for these episodes and everything Star Wars. So if you're ready, grab a drink from your local cantina, avoid those killer vines, and join us as we discuss The Bad Batch Season 3, Confined, Paths Unknown, and Shadows of Cantus. Woo! We're back, everyone. We're back. (laughs) All right. We're just going to go ahead. We're going to punch it with our episode recap. So there's three episodes here. We'll try and keep this a little bit briefer than we usually do. Uh, in Confined, we're spending the entire time with Omega. She's been captured, and now she is part of the Imperial Cloning Division against her will on Tantus. One of her tasks consists of taking blood samples from other clones alongside Dr. Emery Carr. However, Omega becomes really suspicious when Emery also takes Omega's blood only for Nalase to discreetly discard the sample in secret. Yeet. <laughs> yeah, Nalase saw that sample and was just like, oh, they took yours? Let me just take care. Oh, look. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. Oh, no. Incinerated. <laughs> <laughs> she evades the guards and manages to link up and speak with her fellow Bad Batch, well, at least former Bad Batch member, Crosshair, who attempts to discourage Omega from escaping altogether. Omega also befriends a little lurker hound named Batcher. Adorable. So cute. (laughs) We'll talk about him a little bit more later. And when the Imperials decide to euthanize Batcher, Omega frees the hound, which escapes into the jungles of Wayland. Dr. Hemlock warns Omega that further defiance will result in consequences for Crosshair. Also that apparently euthanizing him would have been kinder than sending him out into the wild but we do get a nice little shot of him surviving and thriving later on of course he's fine like he's living his best life out there he's just waiting for his girl to come get him okay next episode is paths unknown and we move on to the remaining bad batch members well we're going to talk about that later too after getting intel from the Durand crime family, Hunter and Wrecker travel to an abandoned Imperial cloning facility that Hemlock was in charge of. Super creepy. Like, this looks like a temple yeah. Indiana Jones might go into, but probably shouldn't. The pair runs into Mox, Zeke, and Stack. These guys are clone cadets who were held prisoner by Hemlock, but they did manage to escape this facility as the Empire destroyed it with orbital bombardment because they're dicks. Zeke helps Hunter and Wrecker enter the facility while evading these slither vines. Seems weird. I didn't need it. <laughs> I mean, it was really cool. <laughs> and I really liked the creature feature. But the whole time I was like, cringe, cringing the whole time. <sighs> Just shows how great these animators are. Well, Zeke is are. gathering intel. I know, right? Mox and Stack manage to find the broader and break into it because, of course, it's just easy to hotwire a ship like this. The trio in the facility are attacked by the Solar Vines, which are revealed to be the tentacles of a huge fucking monster. <laughs> because of course they are. 
Mox and Stack are able to extract Wrecker, Hunter, and Zeke before defeating the creature with explosives. A lot Hunter of explosives. So many explosives, like every single one on the ship, I would assume. Hunter promises to take the cadets to Pabu where they'll be safe. Mm-hmm. Sure. I believe you. Sure, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll be fine there for a while. Yeah, a while. <laughs> yeah. Longer than they would have been in the, if they stayed in these woods. Yes, and at least they're going to be able to eat like delicious food. Exactly. And then lastly, we had Shadows of Tantus. Emperor Palpatine himself is traveling to Mount Tantus to learn about the progress of Project Necromancer. After Emery t- does eventually get a sample of Omega's blood and Nalase isn't able to discard it, the Kaminoan warns Omega she's in total danger and urges her to escape using her own uh, Nalase's own data pad with access to the facility and the shuttles. Omega, despite everything he told her before, doesn't leave without crosshair. That and upon... listen, we got that last season. I know, right? And upon learning that all the shuttles are grounded because of the Emperor's visit, they manage to escape through the Lurk of Kennel shoots, which was hilarious. Love a trash shoot. Mm-hmm. Love it. And they find a crashed shuttle. Emery attempts to stop them, but Crosshair stuns her, inadvertently triggering an alarm. After neutralizing the search team, Crosshair and Omega, joined by Batcher, because of course, like we said, guy is thriving, mm-hmm. steal the shuttle and end up being pursued. But Emery actually tells the team that they have to stand down. Omega needs to be taken alive because... Mm-hmm. The M count required for Project Necromancer apparently can be replicated without degradation with Omega's blood sample. Hemlock calls off the pursuit because now they have to find Omega and take her back alive. Dun dun dun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, such good episodes. Okay, um, we're going to head into our reactions for the episode. I was so impressed. I was already just feeling it from the trailer. Like, oh, yeah. just getting super excited for this season. And these episodes were just amazing. I loved all of them. Like, little nitpicky things maybe somewhere, but really nothing. I was delighted by everything, even if I was disgusted with the vines. Um, I just think the show has gotten continually better as it's gone along. Like, each season, even each episode just keeps building and building towards this inevitable chase for Omega, which I really hope does not end in Omega's death because i love her and she should be fine and safe i love her um the darkness in these episodes is crazy like this season's just gonna be dark and i love it um huge fan of omega and crosshair as the trope of the old guy who doesn't give a shit anymore and is just done and this plucky kid who pulls them along on a journey like this always works (laughs) work the mando works in the last of us just always works crosshair's grumpiness is like this perfect foil for Omega's optimism. They make a great pair. And of course, I'm a huge fan of Thatcher. Dave Filoni, <laughs> how many dogs and wolves are you going to fit into Star Wars? I'm not mad. It's just, I don't know. We didn't it's get just any... a question. I'm, I'm still waiting on my uh, my Loth wolves to show up in Ahsoka. You know? Oh, I know. We'll get them eventually. Dave won't stop. <laughs> yeah, I gotta just agree with you. We are so fucking back. Like, I mm-hmm. think consistently, when this trailer dropped, you know... We were originally going to try and do like a trailer breakdown. We just didn't have time. No, couldn't get things to, couldn't get things to line up. But I was just so excited. Just like in when season two trailer dropped, I had almost forgotten how good the show actually is. Mm-hmm. 
and then we got to the trailer and i was just so pumped and this these three episodes absolutely delivered the show does amazing things it does very well crafted storytelling mm-hmm. you know i i think i told you maybe like a month or two ago i was like thinking about it and i was like we got a decent amount of star wars in 2023 and i think honestly from a complete standpoint bad bat season two was the best part <laughs> it really was strong it was the most Especially successful the finale yeah oh poor tech i know they had to remind us of that again of i know of course they did and everyone needs to mourn him <laughs> <laughs> but no everything about this i love the i like the pairings that we're getting with the characters i like seeing um like you said omega and crosshair together um the little bit we got with wrecker and hunter uh it's good wrecker is a character that i hope we see more development from this season mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, got a little bit he's getting he's getting a little bit like but he's so far the character that is i mean possibly you could say this about omega too but he is the one who is like closest to just the standard archetype he started as yeah you know, last season we got uh, several episodes that really developed, that focused on Tech and Echo. Mm-hmm. Season one really focused on Hunter and some on Crosshair. So now I'm kind of hoping Wrecker gets his time to shine in season three. <laughs> As he should. He deserves it. He's absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, no, the animation in these is just, it's getting so incredibly good. It's so incredibly sharp. It's Brisk. so weird. It's, I mean, going back. You know, if you look at the animation from the original Clone Wars movie up through the the final episodes, you see how big of a change. And even <laughs> and even justice for Stinky. I do like Stinky. <laughs> <laughs> but and then even from that point to seeing how it's come over these three seasons, they just continually get better and better at it. Mm-hmm. It's shocking. Yeah, how amazing the animation looks. One thing I gotta say, I'm not digging Omega's hair. I'm not a fan of the rat tail thing she's got going weird, on. Weird ponytail thing. Weird ponytail rat tail. Like, no. <laughs> I think she's just given up at that point. <laughs> yeah, either chop it off or just let it let it flow. Yeah. Maybe she will. Once they're kind of free, it'll symbolize her newfound freedom. <laughs> kind of freedom, I should say, because now they're going to be hunted across the galaxy. <laughs> hey, what else is new? Mm-hmm. That's fair. That is yes. totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm so excited for what's next. All right. But with that, let's head into Easter eggs, connections, callbacks. And let's start out with the big one. Stormtroopers do not matter. Nope. Hemlock is totally ready to sacrifice the troopers in the down shuttle, not sending help. This really reinforces our mindset of the Empire. No one's important unless they're worth something to the Emperor. The stormtroopers are faceless. You know, they are very much what they wanted the clones to be and then we got clone mm-hmm. wars and they yeah. became actual characters <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but once you outlive your usefulness you're dead yep including I mean, even batcher they thought that that was going to be the case but omega saw that that was not going to happen thank god i would have cried <laughs> like i do not need to know if batcher dies like please don't do this to me um, okay, we have another one of my favorite tropes in these kind of shows. Emery tells Omega, girl, don't worry, you're not a prisoner here on Mont Tantus. Like, why are villains and lackeys always saying this? 
to people. Like, they have no autonomy. Their room is basically a prison cell. The entire facility is just a larger prison cell. Like, oh no, but you're a guest. You're a guest of the Empire. You're a guest. You're just not allowed to leave. Yeah, exactly. You're not a slave. You're not a slave. You're a prisoner with a job. Exactly. (laughs) Did she get paid? I don't know. (laughs) Like, Mount Tantus is just a prison. Let's be fair for her, Nalasea, the other clones. Like... I mean, I guess even wearing this uniform with the same patch that Dr. Pershing wore in the Mandalorian and the clone trainees wore in Attack of the Clones. So this is just like, you're in your prison uniform, girl. Like, get out of there. I don't know. I'm really worried about uh, Dr. Carr and uh, Dr. Hemlock whenever mm. this particular segment of the experiments is done. Thinking about like Rogue One when uh, they just like take out all the scientists. <laughs> Yeah. It's like, yeah, you finished your part. Good. Bam. Mm-hmm. But I think Hemlock might be able to get himself out of that situation just because yeah. he's a slimy little shit. But yeah, yeah he might Emery, be the one who gives the order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He'll just stand there. And even though he like nurtured Emery or whatever, totally just like, bye, bye. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Also on Mount Tantus, we have the clone commandos. These are the elite troopers, that those glowing visors. It's a really great shade of blue, gotta say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, those soldiers are clones. They are completely loyal to the Empire, so they are working with Palpatine against their own brothers, which is probably why we haven't actually met any of them as real characters yet. <laughs> that would be kind of tough. I mean, we've already got Crosshair going through his redemption slash atonement arc. I think these guys are just going to be done faceless the faceless clones none of them have any like special tattoos or anything (laughs) they're just regular uh next i thought this was really cool the men who are taking the distress call from that shuttle from the beginning are wearing the same helmets as the death star laser gunners in a new hope and this design is meant to evoke a hangman's hood or executioner's hood since they're connected with the destruction of alderaan and i think they just brought them back here because they look cool but absolutely that detail is so awesome. Just like another kind of faceless killing machine that the Empire has. Boom. Yep. <laughs> Next up, we are back on Mount Tantus. Now, Mount Tantus first appeared in the Legends novel, Heir to the Empire. It was a cloning facility there as well. It's one of Palpatine's most secret labs, and it was really used to perfect the cloning process. In the mm-hmm. novel, the process was already kind of done. So here, that was kind of more towards the end of Project Necromancer. Uh, mm-hmm. But in the Bad Batch, we are seeing it reset as the beginning. So we know Palpy wants to clone himself, which is why that M count transfer or the Metachlorian level is so important to him. Uh, Project Necromancer also gets a mention in Andor, and it took a very uh, central place in Mandalorian Season 3. Yeah. Not as successfully, Indian. I will say. Yikes. <laughs> Trying Not to... as successful in execution, but that's okay. No, it's okay. It'll be fine. Can't wait to see all those jars of Snokes. <laughs> Are we actually going to see them? I don't know. I think we might see the precursor to what Snoke is supposed to be in this Mount Tanta situation. But I think a lot of that stuff happens on Exegol. They probably just move a lot of this cloning facility there. Maybe that's where Hemlock ends up. Could be. It's hard to say. We know a lot of them went just Palpy sent him away. It's like, nah. We're going to send you into the unknown regions. See what you can do out there. Um, Actually turning into one of my favorite characters in Bad Batch, Nalase. 
she's still on Mount Tantus and she is not happy about it. You can totally tell. Hemlock is using Omega to keep her in line, but Nalse still destroys Omega's daily blood samples every time. Oopsies, they're gone. <laughs> um, we'll know why by the end of this three-episode arc, why she's doing that. This was hilarious. I saw on Twitter that someone said Nalse saved the galaxy by quiet quitting. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am totally here for this. Like, stick it to the man, girl. You do your like, do your job, but like nothing extra. No. I'm not going to do that now. You're like, it wasn't laid out in my contract that I had to not destroy blood sample. <laughs> in other words, go Dallas A. We're here for you. Absolutely. You know who else I'm here for? The guest voice casts in these yes. in these episodes. We have so many great actors here. Let's start off with Dr. Hemlock himself. Jimmy Simpson mm-hmm. is back. His voice is just really perfect for this extremely creepy character. Someone who could kind of probably stand on equal footing with Tarkin uh, as one of Palpatine's top people. I'm going to guess Tarkin still does stand above, but. Oh, yeah. But he's up there. I think he's, he's higher than, than Krennic at this point. He's definitely higher than Krennic. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's He doesn't have to compete with Thrawn for resources. No, definitely not. No, Palpy is throwing every resource at, uh, yeah. at Hemlock. Uh, there are several other great guest stars here. We have Angelica Houston herself returns after her brief appearance in Star Wars Visions Season 2. Uh, mm-hmm. She comes back and is the mafia boss lady, Issa Durand, who's the head of the Deveronian Crime Syndicate. And fun fact I found out is the first female Deveronian to ever actually appear on screen. That's amazing. <laughs> Flex, Angelica. Yes. Do what you want. <laughs> Uh, and then we have Daniel Logan, who played live-action young Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones. Uh, he comes back and makes an appearance as one of the young clone troopers in the second episode. He voices Mox. Uh, the other two clones are interestingly voiced by Julian Dennison, who you might know from Deadpool 2. Oh, that was so crazy. Like, why is one of them a different voice? Yeah. <laughs> like, but, it's it's not but... like Omega, where I'm like, yes, that makes sense that you heard a different voice actor. <laughs> Right. Maybe Mox is just like the most Boba Fett-ish one. Maybe. Maybe he's like accelerated aging. He's gone through puberty and the others haven't. <laughs> That's why he's tall. <laughs> and so cautious. Um, we've mentioned him before. We love it. We love to see another doggo. Omega befriends this Lurka hound. I thought it was Lurker named Batcher. And I totally thought that she said Badger. Which I would have also loved this dog's name to be Badger. It's a badger Hound, just like in yeah. uh, is, yeah. aren't those an avatar somewhere? Yeah, probably. It's gotta <laughs> be in there somewhere. These creatures. I love the creatures. It's totally giving this Ezra vibes, kind of hinting that we might be getting her high, either her own M count or just ability to contain Minichlorians. I do like that we also see this like giant bear cat creature thing later. <laughs> which just kind of is chilling it's like living its best life and then all of a sudden crosshair omega there and it's like excuse me i was napping <laughs> i just like all these creatures i love the creatures in star wars and of course after being freed by, freed by omega badger survives in the wild and is able to save them when they escape she's just like blue in the jurassic world movies <laughs> they said uh, it couldn't be done but owen did it <laughs> yeah sure sure that that's what <laughs> happened that's just like I just love blue. <laughs> I, just, I love a domesticated, insanely dangerous creature. 
Oh, have you have you watched the Lego Jurassic Worlds? When Blue and her siblings are little babies, and he's training them. Oh my god. No, I haven't, but now I absolutely need to. <laughs> Check it out. It's on Netflix. Legend of Isla Nublar. Oh my god. I'm here for it. Give me every tiny baby raptor. Yeah, lethal at eight months, and I do mean lethal. Yes. Next up, this was just I this was just such a sweet callback. Omega makes her own Lula doll from the straw she collects during her work. Emery, of course, finds it and takes it away, saying you can't have personal items. But yeah. it's not a prison. But it's not a prison. Of course not. Everything's fine. Emery does bring the ball the doll back later. So maybe she's not a total ice queen yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, in episode two, we are shown the real Lula symbolizing Omega's absence from her brothers. And you know Wrecker's just like, I'm pretty sure Wrecker's talking to it. Yes. Oh, I'm sure. As Hunter watches, is like crying. <laughs> <laughs> crying their poor clone brother tears. <laughs> Next, we have another Deveronian who we have seen before. Roland Duran makes his other appearance his horn was cut off by a member of the pike crime syndicate back in season two here wrecker and hunter return his broken horn as well as bringing the pike member that chopped it off in the first place back to the durans it's fine nobody likes a pike anyway send him down the chute the trapdoor method that jabba the hut also likes to use was inspired by the flash gordon program which of course is one of the main things that inspired george lucas to create star wars absolutely <laughs> I love a trapdoor. Every villain needs one. Every villain needs one. I want one in my house. <laughs> Give me a trapdoor. <laughs> Next we have, this one's a little sad because we see Wrecker and Hunter alone of the original five crew Bad Batch. They're the, really the only two left. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're so used to the team being so much larger. I really hope we at Crosshair and uh, Omega do link up with them sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, Crosshair's imprisoned, Echo's with Rex, Tech died. Tech better actually be dead. I agree. He should um, just be dead. Yeah. But, you know, the, the guys in Omega are supposed to be together. So seeing that there's just the two of them, we really want that reunion. Uh, Reco being the one to have a level head instead of Hunter was absolutely wild and kind of insane. I wasn't ready. <laughs> He's cautioning Hunter from making impulsive moves, which, like we said, that is a little bit of character development for him. And it just shows how desperate Hunter is for Omega to come back. Mm-hmm. Feels like he's failed, basically. Yeah. Feels like he's failed everything. It's like, that would be tough for the leader. But yeah, freaking Wrecker. Be like, maybe we should be careful. I was like, What? But yes, somebody needed to have a level head in that situation, considering that we end up on a planet with killer, killer vines. Um, in that episode, we get the group of the clone kiddos. We did see them in season one being led away from Camino, And we were and really worried about what was going to happen. We were very worried. And with reason, let's be fair, they're all dead, except for these three. Um, the jungle planet housed one of Hemlock's research facilities, but was destroyed by Imperial Orbital Bombardment, just like Kamino was in Season 1. So these are the only three kids that survived the destruction and are trying to survive on this planet that is infested with... Slither vines! (laughs) These killer vines are bioengineered by the Empire, who lost control of them very quickly, because just look at them. Somehow, life finds a way. Uh, These things are a combination of the Sarlacc, 
which is the pet creature from Tatooine, who was a vegetarian that just wanted to be left alone. For real, though. <laughs> <laughs> Leave the Sarlacc alone. Seriously. Uh, and the Drang- the Drangir, which were a sentient plant species from the High Republic era, bloodthirsty nasty creatures who only wanted to kill and devour other species. That was a really fun book to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gruesome. smaller the smaller creatures kind of like face huggers from the alien series mm-hmm. and just like going through that temple you said was like an indiana jones thing i think it was also meant to evoke the ship and alien oh yeah Definitely. uh the larger one definitely resembles the water guardian from fellowship of the ring uh and i was very much especially with the smaller ones getting vibes of the flood from halo if we ever see them in the tv series if we ever actually get to that point and see the halo rings it's the fucking move on people <laughs> exactly come on hurry up <laughs> just kidding take your time we love you um next we have gonky so happy <laughs> see gonky is fine the yes. power battery droid is back he's uh strapped to wrecker's bag for most of his appearance but he does his job he does it well and he doesn't whine about it what we was see he doing familiar... that's my other question like why why was he along <laughs> he's, he needed to power the console but that's the only reason <laughs> <laughs> so Wrecker's like strapped him to his back and is dragging him around the jungle just to try and get this console working um we do get to see a couple other familiar droids in these episodes like the mouse droid that omega kicks off the elevator which is great and one of the hovering medical droids like the ones on camino i can never quite tell like are we what's our opinion on mouse droids do we love the mouse droids are they snitches like what, what's going on with the mouse droids i think they're cute but I think they're, like you said, they're snitches. You can't... Nobody is locked down like r 2 Yeah, they, they're like these little spies. <laughs> like, fine, kick it. Although it did sound really sad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, ooh, I can finally go on the elevator. Oh. <laughs> Next up, we do get a reference to Space Grease. Um, mm-hmm. Hunter takes plans to take the kids back to Pabu, the absolute beautiful paradise planet from season two, where the Bad Batch was thinking about retiring when their work was done. And then we all see how that went. Didn't go well. (laughs) And I'm guessing it's not going to go well later this season either. This part I thought was kind of cool. The blood sample machine resembles a clock and does move clockwise, which is a fun way to show the countdown to Omega's escape. Once her sample reaches this kind of figurative midnight she's discovered as the key to project necromancer i like that kind of ticking time bomb situation we have going on ups the tension nicely very much so and then we have the man himself here comes palby he's flanked by two imperial guards in red who've been around since return of the jedi uh ian mcdermott cashing that check coming back to do his voice work sounds awesome keep doing it uh, we absolutely know how important this project is to Palpatine since he's come personally from Coruscant to check in with Hemlock. We will see just how forgiving he is as well. Nice little callback to the Vader line. Palpatine mm. <laughs> does not go just anywhere. Also worth noting, he's here without Vader. Yes. He's keeping Vader in the dark on these projects. Palpatine works alone. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need a second. <laughs> It's like, no, Veda can be used somewhere else. Stay out of my business. <laughs> okay. Uh, I loved this part. Totally felt like Crosshair was trying to use a Jedi mind trick. 
on the troopers who were guarding his cell. Him spelling out exactly what he was going to do to the guards uh, was reminiscent of heroes escaping inept captors in other movies. It made me think of Arnold Schwarzenegger's character in True Lies when he's being interrogated. <laughs> and he, of course, escapes even though he's drugged up. Yep. Uh, Crosshair has also developed a tremor in his hands. Yeah, not Most good. likely from the poor treatment. Yeah, this this is very, very concerning. Considering... Plus... I mean, is this just degradation from accelerated aging plus bad batchness? Defective yet effective. Right. So they all might have like this tipping time bomb within mm-hmm. them. They might yeah. die sooner than the rest of their clone brothers. Because we know that Rex and a couple of the other guys are still around by Rebels time. But there's no guarantee that the bad batch will be. Yep. I just made myself sad. <laughs> You know what would be sad, too? If this one was gone, because we now know Omega is special. Mm. I mean, we've been theorizing this since season one. Her blood is able to handle the introduction of a blood sample with a high metachlorine count. It doesn't reject it. So Omega is the perfect candidate to somehow be incorporated into Project Necromancer. Whether this means that she herself has a high metachlorine count or is just that her blood doesn't reject Palpatine's? Does this mean that we could have just grabbed Django's body and and done this? Does this mean that like a, somehow a combination of Omega and Palpatine's blood together creates the strand cast that becomes Ray's father? Or That's becomes, what I'm wondering. Or becomes Snoke? I don't know. Is maybe both? All of this the reason that. Uh, Giancarlo Esposito was able to create his Force-sensitive clones. <laughs> it's quite possible because they were obviously so obsessed with finding Grogu. So there's not a lot. There's just not a lot of samples. There's not a lot of specimens. Yeah. I saw well, somebody situation, say... It, yeah. In that situation, it says like Grogu would be Palpatine in that situation, yeah. right? He's the source of the Metachlorians. So you just need mm-hmm. clone DNA that doesn't reject it. Right. Exactly. So there's like all kinds of crazy theories out there that yeah. Omega is related to Ray in some some form, which could be it could be true. Possible. Since the clone that's her father didn't have force sensitivity, but maybe I just skips a couple generations. Maybe I showed you that line from the New High Republic book, right? I sent you guys yes. that line where the, the Jedi says, We know the force we know force doesn't pass down through bloodlines. And I was just like, really? Yeah, the Skywalkers have entered the chat. <laughs> I mean, I can see, like, Palpatines didn't technically go through a family line just because it's a cloning process. So Skywalkers really are the ones that we look to for this passing along the Force. But that might be because Anakin was Force Jesus also. Good thing. Like, maybe it's just that. That's how it works. All right. So now we're really getting into our next part here. Question, final questions we had coming out of these episodes, predictions for what's coming next, where the season is going. This is the final season of The Bad Batch. So, Colleen, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I think we have a lot. A lot is going to happen in these episodes. Um, one thing I really want to know, I'm very curious about Emery. I want to know if she's going to go rogue. Uh, she seems to have formed this bond with Omega. Giving the little doll back was really sweet. Um, she's showing that she's willing to bend the rules if she thinks it's right. But then she also like gets them almost caught by telling Omega to not leave. And, but then she also saves them by telling about 
the M count working, but then now they're going to be hunted. I don't know. There's a lot going on with Emery that I think we kind of need to unfold her character a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I'm worried that Omega and Crosshair are going to be like missing Wrecker and Hunter by a hair, like for too many episodes. I want that to get wrapped up sooner rather than later so we can get to the maybe supposed clone rebellion. I think that I'm good, hoping oh, is coming. I could definitely see Omega being like, let's head back to Pabu. Yeah, that could totally work. And then that's probably where they are going to. So mm-hmm. and Crosshair's like, this place is beautiful. <laughs> And really good food. Um, and of course, if they kill off Batcher, I will be writing some very angry letters. <laughs> that is a threat. <laughs> yeah. So I will say I'm like 95% sure Crosshair is going to end up sacrificing himself at this point. Like we're going to build up and he's going to decide that he deserves redemption and then use it to sacrifice himself for Omega and his mm-hmm. brothers. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. It it's okay that that it's totally okay that they're brought that that seems like it's being broadcast and like that would be a very logical place for the story to go mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie i was a little worried that omega was gonna force heal batcher i was like don't please don't let her not actually be force sensitive in and of itself like let's just not do that mm-hmm. and then other stuff like i said i want some develop some more development out of wrecker i'd like to be able to focus on him a little bit more so that we really get all of these clones all of these members brought up heading for this conclusion mm-hmm. i can see wrecker being the last one left probably which i could see that really really sad but He'd then so he could sad. at least be on pabu mm-hmm. with people i also i want to go back to pabu i was thinking about this like these episodes you know we talked about their dark tone just also stylistically they were very dark yes. and that's actually a pretty stark contrast to season two which had mm-hmm. a lot of like very vibrant bright colors and sets so I'd like to see a little bit more of that brought in. Just a little bit of hope. A little bit yes. of hope for the future. A smidgen. Just a wee bit. <laughs> we already know that at least three of the clones survive, but that's not very many out of how many are still alive in this show. Yeah, no. Um, but I'm just really excited for where the story's going to go. So we're three episodes in. This is a 15-episode season rather than 16 as the uh, the first two were, but I think the finale is like double long, so it's pretty much a 16 still Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's been like a really perfect number i think so too they do a lot with the overarching story but also kind of these just like character focused side quests Mm -hmm. yeah one of our friends friend of the pod had mentioned that he thought the second episode we didn't quite need it but i thought it was really good to pick up the three clone kids just to show even more of the ruthlessness of the empire yeah. And how far they're willing to go to, like, discard these people that are people. And, and a nice little check-in just with Hunter and Wrecker is like, okay, like, these are, this is what Omega and Crosshair have been doing. What have been, what have Hunter and Wrecker been doing? Are they just going to, like, show up when they all meet back together? No, we want to know right. what it's been like for them. Right. Yeah, that was just, like, the one minor nitpick I had. Like, yeah, it felt a little side questy, but not side questy enough where I was mad. Right. They can't just magically find Tantus again. No, no, that would that would not work. All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap it up for our coverage of the premiere of The Bad Batch. But before we go, we've been on for a few months and there has been a lot of news in the Star Wars galaxy since we've been gone. So we want to kind of just run through several of these and take a moment to talk about it all. Uh, first, we are, of course, very sad 
about the passing of Carl Weathers, uh, great actor, an amazing addition. Hit me hard. Yeah, uh, an amazing addition to the Star Wars cast of characters with Grief Carga and as a director. Mm -hmm. And just by all accounts, just a great guy. Yeah, he will be missed. I loved, loved his Twitter. (laughs) He just seemed like such a kind person, like a genuinely nice, nice man. Yeah. Star Wars lost another good one. For real. Uh, second up, uh, we have news that there is going to be an official Mandalorian and Grogu movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, my one note on this is that it just needs to not be called the Mandalorian and Grogu. We need a real <laughs> I, title. I agree. We need to workshop <laughs> this, guys. Let's throw mean? some words on the whiteboard and see what happens. I mean, Colleen, what are your general thoughts on this? I I'm excited. I I love Mando. I really hope that we get to see Pedro's face, like for most of the movie. That'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this has a ton of potential. I think it could be an absolute. I think it could be an absolute banger of a blockbuster, as long as you know the script is good. And when right. we've seen that they can do some pretty incredible things uh, on a television budget, even if it's a, a a beefed up television budget. So imagine what you can do if you get a real movie budget involved. Right. Right. And everybody involved. I mean, it's Favreau and Filoni. So I, I trust them to bring us something that will be amazing. I know people are already like, oh, do we really need this? It's like, I don't care. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Inject more Star Wars into my veins. <laughs> yeah. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I agree. Show Pedro's face, please. Yes. Let's actually get Pedro on set and show his face. Yes. <laughs> Maybe Probably for more. a movie, he will. <laughs> I know, right? Maybe he'll be like, okay, I can actually like take time off of my freaking crazy stacked schedule. Yeah, he's like, all right, I'll come next. You know, I was doing Fantastic Four next door. I'll just show up. <laughs> I'll throw the right? suit on. <laughs> Get him in the car. Bring him over. <laughs> Third, this is the one I was really excited about. We have a tentative mm-hmm. release date for The Acolyte. June 5th, the first live action series to take place during the High Republic, focused on a dark side user trying to kind of get revenge on the Jedi. Like, yes, this, I want this. I, this was the one I was most excited about when it was announced. I'm so happy it's finally here. By all accounts, it is great. Yeah. I'm, I'm so excited. The High Republic is a time period that they can really mine for a lot of content because it's just as good as like the current and the sequel timelines. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy the High Republic and the characters and the villains that we get out of the High Republic. Like Markian Rowe is one of <laughs> one of the best Star Wars villains we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Like he has this kind of menace about him that's different from Palpatine, that's different from Thrawn. Because Thrawn, at least, he seems like he's pretty much a together guy. I don't think Markeon Rowe is together at all. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. He is nuts. Yeah, he'd be crazy, which I can get behind. <laughs> I love a nutty villain. <laughs> uh, and then lastly, speaking of the High Republic, we have had several more episodes of Young Jedi Adventures on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. This is a show that is absolutely aimed at small children. But as a Star Wars fan who has a niece and nephew who love watching Spidey and his amazing friends, I can definitely get behind a, a, a kid's show. Uh, it is really cute. And the characters are really fun. And we have had a couple of trips. First time on screen going to Starlight Beacon, which is a focal point of phase one of the high republic don't get attached to that 
Nope. Don't get too attached, but it was nice to actually see it. Yes. Yeah, I would love to see it, like, even more. Yes. And then the last bit of news that we have, Colleen, this is not necessarily related to Star Wars, but your new book is out. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It actually went live the day before Valentine's Day, which makes sense because it is a romanticy novel. It's the first of four. It is called Unbreakable, and you can find it on Amazon for Kindle and softcover. Very excited about it. Yay. I love this series. Started writing it during COVID. Pretty much like we started potting. I started writing during COVID and here we are now today and it's getting published. And I was like, really? <laughs> look at us. Look at us. Andrews. I know. Look at us. You, a multi-published author. Oh, dear Lord. Me just uh, kind of sitting here. <laughs> uh, you are also awesome. Let's just say it. <laughs> I mean, yes, but you know. <laughs> You're Ripley's dad. Damn right. <laughs> that is important. <laughs> yes please if you like romantic go to give it a try everybody kind of like a court of thorn and roses but with gods instead of the fae hey mm -hmm. i'm here for the fae though too don't get me wrong all right i think that's gonna bring us to a close today everybody thank you so much for joining us and welcoming us back we will be doing a lot more content, I think, this year, just because we have a lot coming up. Like, we've got Bad Batch, we've got the Acolyte, we've hopefully got Skeleton Crew some point during yeah. later in the year. I think maybe it'll have kind of the Ahsoka time slot re like release. I'm going guess that's going to be when it is, yeah. Like, late summer, possibly. Although, since the Acolyte's in June, Skeleton might be moved to, like, October. October, November. Mm -hmm, to give us kind of that creepy vibe that i think they're going for for that show uh, you can find us on twitter and instagram at yaswpod follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts hit that subscribe button you can check out our previous episodes on the main star wars films and other great star wars content and join us next time when we'll take a look at the next episode of the bad batch hopefully they will find each other i hope so i don't think i could take it very much if they don't find each other like at least in the next two episodes oh, okay everyone until then make sure your lurkahound fastens her seatbelt before making your escape bye bye everyone bye everybody <laughs>